0: Hey, it's your old pal Slim, and this is 70 Millimeter, a podcast for film lovers just like you. Every Monday, I chat about recently watched movies with my close friend and artist, Danny Haas.
1: That's just, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to.
0: (laughs) And my close friend and movie insider, Protolexis. This poor guy, he just can't act a lick. Have you guys ever seen Fred Astaire? Every month, we have a new theme that guides our main discussion later in the show, and this time, it's proto pendants Proto gives us a theme each week at the start of the show with options, and then we choose the next movie. Last week, Danny and I chose Auteur-Directors and Zodiac by David Fincher. You can use the chapters to skip right to that discussion if you want. Will true crime lead to the end of society as we know it? Is this the best film of Fincher's career? Let's find out now. Are you a phony? Are you a fake
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. Simpsons fan?
0: <laughs> we have to talk about this vote. We did a vote. Oh, God. We didn't even announce it last week on the episode. Only our supporters really know about it. But we put next week's episode up to a vote. You know, independence running free on this show with Proto Pendants. We looked at the surveys. Huge success. Mm. Maybe the best theme we've ever done on this show, some people are saying.
2: Yeah. Heard that.
0: And I that. we put it to a vote. All these people talking about Barbenheimer. And we said, we will only cover one of these movies next week. You have to vote. So our supporters are voting between Barbie and Oppenheimer. They could not see the results of the vote <laughs> the entire week. It's been a blind secret vote, mm-hmm. as is our new way to keep people on their toes. So next week's episode will be either Barbie or Oppenheimer. We're about to reveal the results right now, but I just also want to say Danny's just been so tense all week about this vote. (laughs) Incredibly tense, sweating, stressed. Why were you so stressed about this vote, Danny?
1: To be honest, because I don't want to cover Barbie. Really? That's just, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. (laughs) You would rather do Oppie. I and o- Nolan. only because Oppie is right up our alley for content. Men, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: Men making terrible there could decisions. Be more diametrically
0: opposed
1: <laughs> movies.
0: <laughs> Prado, are you ready to reveal the breakdown of the percentage of the vote and the movie we will be covering next week? I am. I, I have the the chads all lined up here on my
3: desk. Um, you know, I will say, as we are watching these votes come in real time, this was quite the, uh, the up and down experience. The losing movie started off strong. And yeah. up until like 60% of the votes were counted, it was in the lead. Goodness. So, you know, as I'm plotting it on a graph, looking at projections, all things point to Hillary, uh, you know, the, 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 the winning movie here. <laughs> but at that point, we had a switch, <clears throat> and the winning movie took over, and it didn't let up.
0: Handily, it, it, just,
3: it, it yeah, it held on. So with fifty two point five percent of the vote, the movie we'll be covering next week is Barbie.
0: Wow, Barbie's the winner. It was like it it was almost like a real electoral college. you know, like the early goings, you can't go by the early goings. You got to wait until the other precincts start reporting in. It was yes. like the the West Coast precincts started yeah. voting
1: those West Coast it. libs waking up <laughs> <laughs> to vote for Barbie.
0: <laughs> California's
3: coming in hot.
0: we can now officially call California for Barbie Uh, shocking turn of events so there I saw a lot of people in discord saying I will quit if Oppenheimer doesn't win I will delete my Patreon and so I'm sad to hear that so many folks will be leaving our Patreon as we said (laughs) we will not release an episode on the losing movie Oppenheimer we will never release an episode ever on Oppenheimer, it's over. Mm. Oppie, it's like it us. Perto, what do you think? You and I saw Oppie this week. Yeah, we did. I mean, yeah, can we talk about it? Yeah, <laughs> can get we into talk it. About go it for it, guys. I would love to hear about
1: it. Danny, <laughs> the <laughs> night he looks before like he's I about see to it. strangle his microphone <laughs> in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it.
0: <sighs> oh my god. I mean, maybe we should. I don't know if we should. Danny's mental state. For, well, first of all, before we talk about nude oppie oh, um, in that chair,
1: I oh, God, we realized something vault. in
0: our DMs. You know, Greta Gerwig, we're, we're covering a Greta Gerwig movie next week. Yeah. And we try, like, quietly to be diverse in the movies we pick. And honestly, we realize we just failed completely this year. Mm-hmm. So we realized that, like, the last film directed by a woman was Jean Dielman. The f- week of January of this year. <laughs> like, like, first, movie it, failures.
2: first movie of the year. First movie of the year was the
0: last time American Splendor was co-directed. That was a co-production. We had already talked about like next month we're going to do, we, we had already talked about next month's theme, which we'll officially announce next week. So September, we will be officially pivoting Whatever plans we had, we're not going to do for September. So, we don't, I don't think we have an official name for it. But maybe we should call it We Love Women Month. Seventy MM plus think think women month. I don't think that's. <laughs> um So it will be entirely women directors theme. Mm-hmm. So we're we're trying to we're going to try to write this ship. We'll be the first people to call us ourselves out when we realize that we've been screwing the pooch. Um, so hopefully, this sets us on a on a better path than we have been so far this year.
3: No one will outcall ourselves.
0: <laughs> we know what we are get the madmen memes ready again folks the 70mm loves women memes we're gonna need them come September uh, so Proto and I we had a hot date seeing Oppenheimer and King of Prussia this week mm-hmm.
3: yeah and this is a uh, we saw Oppie in this is, a, this is the real deal 70mm IMAX viewing So, you know, as Christopher Nolan intended, this is the, we had the 11 mile long or whatever tape, excuse me, uh, there, up in the projection (laughs) booth, whatever it's put on. Is
0: that confirmed? Did you confirm that we saw that in 70 millimeter or is this? Yeah, I looked it up. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Who can tell? Like, what's it even matter, right?
2: The only person that can tell is Christopher Nolan.
3: Nobody else really knows or can tell. Okay. Everyone calm down. Uh, yeah, that's the uh, King of Prussia 70 millimeter IMAX is the real deal. One of the, the in the, in the country. So that was, kind of, that was pretty cool. I mean, mm. it's a, it's a great screen. This was, and this was an early viewing. So, uh, you know, I, Slim, he's, he's Letterbox right? Disclaimer, he works for Letterboxd. <laughs> so he gets special privileges. Press goes in first. You know, I get to sneak under the, 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 the red ribbon there. It was wonderful. We get seats. <laughs> I mean, the state of this theater though you know, there's people there's people getting turned away.
0: There oh was gosh. it was really? sickening to see. Yeah, it's people a dark got moment. yeah, they, I think they overbooked or maybe they didn't ex- expect getting so many RSVPs for this kind of like early screening. And this so they emailed me the day of. They're like, You gotta get there at you need to be seated by six forty five if you hope to see this movie. And I texted oh Predo, gosh. I was like, Pro, we gotta get there early, my friend. So we got their seven, 7 o'clock show. I got in line at 6.15, and then the line just ballooned behind me. And that was the like press, people, the line was happening. I also yep. tweeted, I saw a lot of people jumping in line in the press line. Excuse me. You know, people show up late. They're kind of like friendly with some other outlet, and they just stand uh, next to that person, like right in uh, front of yeah. me. I'm like, come on. Oh, yeah. You know? That get right. out of here.
3: This business. <laughs> I did. Uh, I went after we were seated. I went back out, a uh, little potty break before the movie started. And when I came back in, there was like this older couple. There's a lot of older folks there. And there's this older couple. They must have been like in their 80s. Like, really. Oh of, I felt so bad because they're like climbing up, looking for seats, not in the first two rows of the theater, which was yeah. really all that was left. And the husband is just like, Darlene, there's no seats up here. Darlene, <laughs> just turn around. Look, there's no, there's no, they're not empty. They're already taken. And I'm just thinking, oh man, this poor, these, this poor people, they're going to be. At that point, it was like, you're either sitting in the first row or you're yeah. walking out of the theater. Mm.
0: I would not have sat in the front row at a IMAX 70 millimeter, whatever screening of Oppenheimer for three hours. I would have gone right home if I were them. I mean, or just call your chiropractor right then, <laughs> then <and there laughs> for tomorrow morning. But also, not only did people get turned away, there was maybe like 10 people that just there was no seats left and they're standing awkwardly in the sides and they're just like waiting to make the decision that like, well, this ain't happening. Let's start the embarrassing walk out of here. But they had food that they bought. They had popcorn. They had sodas. What? Just terrifying experience to win. (laughs) Golly. I don't
1: like it.
0: Oh, boy. So it was a fun, fun viewing, you know, in King of Prussia. Fun
1: viewing. Fun. fun viewing. Yeah, we had fun, right? Yeah, we had a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. Oppenheimer. The atomic bomb is silly. It's fun.
0: <laughs> Listen, this I'm is... not the one making memes combining Barbie and uh, the eater of worlds. Oppenheimer, oh okay? You know how many people died in Hiroshima? We're going to make this a thing? A meme? Yeah. I mean, speaking speaking of uh, eaters, though, Oppenheimer, he got
3: to use a sandwich or two. This guy, <laughs> Killian, looked, was looking very thin. There was an
0: article that said he only ate like one walnut a day or something on set. That's not sustainable.
1: No. That's not possible.
0: So are you are you now gonna give us a star rating for your thoughts on Oppenheimer Proto since Barbie won the vote? Sure, I could. Um
3: let's see. I mean, I wrote a pretty lengthy review with most of my thoughts in there. I I think one of my main takeaways with this is that Christopher Nolan at this point, he is who he is when he makes movies. And you're kind of get what you get and you really can't get upset because, um, the way if he's writing the movie, you're just going to have certain things a certain way. Like, you know, he likes doing audio a certain way. Um, he writes women in a certain way. I mean, there's two women in this. Basically it's Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt. And I was appalled at the writing of these two characters. Oh Um, gosh. I mean, for three hours, I mean, the last hour of this movie, it's, it's men talking to each other with like a a pulse pounding score behind it. Um, so I'm at the point where I'm not, I'm not going to say I loved it. I'm at three stars for Oppenheimer. Um, so I have like similar vibes that I had to tenant. So I'm predicting a Danny five star, of course.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> We
0: were in the parking lot and I said to Proto after he made a comment. I was like, this sounds like a Proto three star. And then I think at that point you're like, Danny's going to give it five stars. I hate you both. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. So like I, I jokingly said a couple weeks ago that like, I didn't even know Florence P was in this movie until a few weeks ago. And I was like aghast at her character. And maybe that's just the way her character was. Um, I know this is something I'm going to say is just the antithesis of what you would expect a man to see, but Florence Pugh is essentially no personality and nude for almost every one of her scenes. So, I don't know. I just okay, didn't, gosh. like, I was kind of, like, stunned by her even agreeing to be in this movie in the first place. But whatever, is what it is. That's Oppenheimer. It's very long. The last hour could have been a different movie, a, like, part two. Oppenheimer part two.
3: Wait, what are your stars? Can we get a star rating from old Slim? <sighs> oh,
0: God, here we go. I'm probably, like, three and a half. Okay. For Oppie This can't be real <laughs> <laughs> this this is, is a, in hell This is a joke. Everyone listening If you believe Just pray Get on your knees And pray for Danny Haas Right now For the next <laughs> For the next seven days That he's gonna have To live through um, So that's Oppenheimer Your mileage may vary There's been a lot A lot of praise for it A lot of praise Killian actor Oscar In his future Maybe Emily Blunt mm. Oscar No one does it again They're saying Uh, We need to say hello to some new patrons who joined this week at patreon.com slash 70mm, Sebastian, Justin, Zach, Noah, and Justin, two Justins, um, all joined. Our Patreon got access to the VHS Village Discord, discounts on Danny's prints, Zodiac, Art, I peeped earlier. Quite good, if I can be so bold. Oh, yeah. And uh, they also got access to our Stranger Than Fiction episode, which dropped recently, just for supporters. But I want to hear from Danny. Specifically. What else? You saw Dead Reckoning Part 1.
1: Oh, my God. Talk about a deity five-star, proto three-star movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, incredible time watching this film. I actually had more fun uh, listening to Podcast Vampire, interview with the Podcast Vampire afterwards. Because I I felt like I agreed with so much of what you guys were talking about on that podcast, but man, I still gave it five stars. I had an incredible time with that film. Mm -hmm. So much fun. So many incredible, uh, action scenes. Tom's amazing. But I think my favorite part of dead reckoning is the, the, the addition of Haley Atwell. I think her character in it is awesome, but also she's incredible in the film. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm excited to see where this goes with her and the storylines and, et cetera, et cetera. Um,
0: What did you think of our theories, our multitude, myriad (laughs) theories in that podcast about what could happen in part two
2: without being um, spoilery? There
1: was, there was one I agreed with, which would be yours, Slim. Um, About the flashbacks? I think you had some flashbacks and um, a little bit more bit of Gabriel's story. Oh. Um, So, uh, yeah, I mean, give, give podcast Vampire listen, Slim and Dale and Thank Jonesy, uh, if you want to hear more talks about it. But I yeah, five stars, fun time. Really looking forward to the next one.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you hear breaking news before we recorded? Not confirmed. Industry whispers that probably Proto has already gotten DMs about on Signal. Yeah. That Dune 2 might move to 2024. What? Yeah, they might move it.
1: Because them, no one can the, promote the, it? The
0: strikes impacting the biz. Can can imagine this? if Dune premiered and there was like is no This is
1: disbussingfilm.com. Who's <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> saying <laughs> it's these things? On, it's on Variety. That's even worse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> variety is not <laughs> technically worse than disbussing film. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Scorchese, think- is he
3: going to move his? That's the thing, because Killers of the oh. Flower Moon comes out the same month.
0: Scorsese,
1: Ridley Scott, David Fincher. They're putting a
0: crimp yeah. in our um, end-of-year plans. <laughs> I know. Is, uh, is, uh, How
2: dare
0: they? <laughs> I mean, Denny's folding
3: while the the, the masters, Scorsese and Scott, are going to keep plugging along. Wow. They have no
0: fear. Something to be it's said, like a I game think. Of, it's like a game of chicken. Yeah. Proto, how what do you want to talk about? Anything for you watched like 30 movies this week from the AFI journey. I just looked mm-hmm. at your journal and it's insane. Um you would be correct. 3. I watched 3. <laughs> um
3: getting some I'm trying to clear out the old ones, the old movies I got. I'm almost there. I think I've got about 5 or 6 more pre-1950. Um so I watched High Noon, Swing Time and A Night at the Opera. Uh, What ones do I want to talk about? Well, let's talk about the worst one, Swing Time. (laughs) This is a movie from 1936 starring Fred Astaire. This poor guy, he just can't act a lick. Have you guys ever seen Fred Astaire?
0: (laughs) I think a lot of people were shocked at your Fred Astaire comments
3: in that review. So I remember watching Holiday Inn uh, growing up that's a a musical with Fred Astaire and Bing Crosby. Uh, my mom would watch that at Christmas, so I remember watching that and and watching him. But he's kind of like the supporting actor to Bing in that. Mm. But in this, he's the star, and this is a pretty hard, uh, you know, pretty straight comedy musical. And he just he he just can't really act at all. I mean, he can he can dance and tap dance like. The best of them. They, I mean, right. there's an amazing dance sequence in the middle of this movie that is like blew blew my socks off. Mm. Um, which was good, but just everything about this was was not really good. Like there's there's this there's this guy, I, I don't know the the actors, probably this guy. I'm looking at the the casting here. Yeah, Victor Moore, who's supposed to be like his sidekick comic relief, and every joke is just a bust. It's just, it doesn't really work. Mm. I mean, you could say, well, it's 1936, but I've watched movies from this period that are good and that are funny. Mm-hmm. And this just doesn't, just didn't work for me. So I'm writing another letter to AFI
0: saying, what is going on <laughs> with your list here? Something needs to be done. I'm looking at Fred Astaire's filmography. Before I did, I was like, Fred Astaire, isn't he like a legend? You know, in a lot of popular movies. there There aren't I don't know, like his top four most popular movies in the letterbox are Funny Face, Top Hat, The Towering Inferno from the 70s, and The Bandwagon. So it's not like ones that you're like, oh, yeah, oh, that's, that's one that I love. I mean, right. Easter Parade, I think, is one that my dad loved with Judy Garland, but, you know, nothing really at the top of the list that is like, you know, five-star banger off the top of my head. Great dancer, though. Yeah, cr- great dancer. Great dancer.
3: Um, and then another one I watched was A Night at the Opera, which is a, a Marx Brothers movie. Um, so, you know, if you if you aren't familiar with the Marx Brothers, I would say they're kind of like, you know, they're like in the Three Stooges kind of vein of comedy. A lot of slapstick. It's these mm-hmm. three brothers. Actually, I think there was like four or five brothers. In this one, there's three of them. Uh, Groucho Marx, uh, pretty famous look. He's got the cigar and the the big mustache and eyebrows. Oh. Um. So it's cute. Uh, I would say, you know, it was all right. I didn't like it any more than I liked like the Charlie Chaplin movies that I watched for this list. Um, But Harpo Marks, one of the brothers, he does a bit where he's a mute. He doesn't say anything. Um, And he's very funny. But he's also an amazing piano and harp player. He does. He plays the harp in this movie. I didn't even know you could play the harp like this. Is that
0: how he got the name?
3: (laughs) Harpo uh, Marx? Oh, you know what? Maybe you're right. Because apparently he plays the harp in a, a, a
0: lot of their movies. My Harpo. God. Oh,
3: it's all coming together now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, That feels like a very slim move, what I just witnessed. <laughs> That's usually something I would do.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I linked, in. if you're cu- curious, in my review, I just linked to the YouTube clip of him playing the piano and harp. And I say just watch that because it's really incredible. Mm. Um so I'm plugging along. I'm at 81. percent I've got. I talked to my my inside man. He's going to give me a stack of DVDs to continue on. We're going to get. Th- we're going to get through all these guys. Just you know, <laughs> stick stick th- stick with me here.
0: We'll get through all these AFI movies. Danny, when are you starting the AFI journey?
1: Right after. Oh, Prado? never. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> I, I like watching him go through with it. Mm-hmm. That's about as much as I'm going to do. The bond journey.
0: Proto's gonna move to the bond journey right no, after, hopefully. That's oh, the key. <laughs> Every week we give out a free year of letterbox patron. Get uh your custom backdrop, uh, access to your favorite streaming services, see where they're streaming, stats uh at the end of the year, actually any day during the year. Um, I saw a review come in tagged 70 mm pod. That's how you get entered to um potentially win 70 mm pod. I don't track any other tag. Sir, mm. Interstellar. The road to Barbenheimer continues. <laughs> the space docking sequence might be the greatest scene in cinematic history. It's not possible. No, it's necessary. Is one of my favorite oh my gosh. lines in all of cinema. That's from Drew A. So Drew, just one letterbox patron. Congrats. He did it. What a movie to do it with. Um. What do I want to yeah. talk about? We're ra- we're run out of time. His, talk to me. The vote is flying. It's past the time quick.
1: Can you just talk? So you got to talk
0: to me about this. Talk to <laughs> me. Please. Danny hates when I censor myself on, yeah. on this show.
1: We want to talk to you.
0: I watched, I had a little date night action yeah. this week. Oh. Was it in King of Prussia? Yeah, King of Prussia movie theater twice in a row this K-O-P. week. KOP. KOP, call me. Um got early screening access to a horror movie that's getting a little bit of a buzz. It's called Talk to Me, uh, directed by Michael and Danny. Uh, I actually have not tried to pronounce their name until this moment. Filippo, Here we go. Um, I'll read the synopsis. When a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand, they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. Mm. so I that was the only thing I knew about this movie going in I saw some like reviews talk about how much fun it was so we went to see it I had a blast a lot of fun uh Australian setting and cast and I love the idea that like these kids these kind of like 'er nerdy well group of this these two kids have this embalmed hand that they bring to parties and they like they Show it at the beginning of the movie that but they're like watching TikToks of like all these kids acting weird while holding the hand. And some of them are like, oh, that's fake. They're just doing that to get views on like whatever. And then they actually go to the party where the hand is and they have to like hold the hand, say something. They say, talk to me. And then, you know, a spirit is supposed to appear in front of you. Mm. And then if you want, you say, let me let me in or I let you in and the spirit takes over your body and no, they film it. You. And it's like, you know, it's like a TikTok meme. <laughs> um, I thought it was like an awesome idea for a movie as opposed to like, you know, the peer pressure of doing that versus drinking when you're young at a party. Mm-hmm. Like instead it's touch this embalmed hand and talk to a spirit and let it take over your body. <laughs> I thought it was genius.
1: It's just trading one demon for another. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, uh, so a lot of fun. I gave it four stars. Mandy gave it four stars as well.
1: Nice little date night in King of
0: Prussia.
3: Would you say it is it like? Um, what kind of horror is it? Would you is it kind of like that new dread type of horror, or is it more traditional? Like there's jump scares it's, and whatnot.
0: Yeah there's there's a f- there's a few jump scares. There's some like creepy moments where some spirits are you know in the shadows and stuff. I wouldn't call it like a prestige. It's a twenty four but I'm not going to call it like a prestige horror. It's more of like a like a, a I don't know, like a better than your average Friday night horror.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so fun, funny, great writing. So hopefully it's a success. Would love to see more from these two. I think these two are like young filmmaker YouTubers as oh well. Gosh. So super young. You know, Matt Buchanan, the podcast godfather at Letterboxd.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He dropped a, re- a review and a rating for this movie. He
1: wrote out a review?
0: Yeah, I think I narked on him. In, in May, he saw early access screening. It was like his first review in like, I mean, did I write it in the comments here? Matt's third review of the calendar year. Oh my gosh. You heard your first. Mm. Zodiac. Proto Pendants. Last week, Proto gave us the theme, or we picked we picked the theme together, Danny and I, and then we picked this movie together. We thought, why not talk serial murder with our friends?
1: Hand in hand. Mm,
0: you know, late at night. Our favorite. Fincher. Part of what is Zodiac? In 1969,
3: a woman is shot dead while necking her boyfriend. <laughs> Two months later, a woman is stabbed to death near a very nice lake in Napa County. A few weeks after that, a cab driver is shot while working and is killed. Newspapers within San Francisco begin receiving encrypted letters from someone calling themselves Zodiac. This begins a decades-long investigation into who the Zodiac is and the obsession that it becomes for those trying to crack the case. Police inspector Tashi works with the other towns where the murders took place to try and piece the evidence together. Crime reporter Paul Avery works the case until he receives a death threat and spirals mentally. Robert Graysmith is a cartoonist turned author as he obsesses over the case and continues to work on it long after the police have given up. But can one man, without the resources, break a decades-old case, or is he just playing into the Zodiac's
0: game? Zodiac. Long time coming. I feel like this this is one of those movies that's been tossed around in our circles for a long time since we started the show. Remember way back when we used to have that letterbox list that we like had movies on the list that we were planning on covering like next Mm -hmm. remember that the early goings we had like a little Mm -hmm. forever fun little list way back when Danny when was the first time you saw this movie
1: um you know I don't know actually a while a long time ago I think I saw it I mean probably when it first came to either DVD or something uh but then a couple years ago recently more recently Casey and I watched it again um yeah, so I've only probably seen it two. This is probably my third time watching it.
0: Do you see this image in chat of the Zodiac? Do you notice anything about <sighs> this drawing? On.
1: I could, let me. I, I don't know. Let me scroll up. <laughs> is there something I should look at? What is this? It's
0: got your eyes on it. Is that close. me?
1: What the? <laughs> <laughs> I can't look at this. <laughs> make that your Whatever. new IG uh, avatar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll make the avatar... Caricature or the Zodiac <laughs> caricature, my avatar.
0: <laughs> Proto, what about you the first time you saw this?
3: Um, I think I watched this probably 2017 or 2018 because it's it was pretty fresh in my memory, but it was BLB mm-hmm. um before I started logging movies. So it had to be around that time that I saw it. What about you, Slim? This was the first time I
0: watched it, finally. I don't remember that's insane wh- to me. I, I can't remember what I was doing when this had come out. love um, murder. Yeah. <laughs> 2007. I have no idea what I was doing in 2007. I have to look at my Google photos to see what the heck was going on in that era. Probably nothing good. Um, I'm, Let me sort his filmography real quick as well. Yeah, I was just
3: going to do the same thing.
0: So sort Panic of. Room, 2002. My God, he had five years in between Panic Room and Zodiac. Doesn't he also do, like, music videos and commercials or something, David Fincher? That's how he started. The Curious Case of Benjamin Button right after Zodiac. Uh, I was probably way tuned out from there. Social Network I saw, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo I have not seen, Gone Girl I didn't watch until, like, last year. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I also, one of the other movies we were thinking of doing was The Game. Yeah. Yeah. That's instant five bang. The last time I watched that, goodness! I only watched it for the first time I think like two years ago, and I I absolutely loved it. But obviously, Seven and Fight Club are always talked about with Fincher, so we don't we don't have to talk about those two. Everybody always talking about
1: it. They're perfect movies. What'd you say? You sounded really down on Seven and Fight Club. I haven't seen Fight
0: Club maybe since theaters. Theaters. Um, I feel like I hear about Fight Club every week. It Doesn't yeah. really make me want to watch it <laughs> yeah. again. So yeah, I don't. I I don't. I don't love murder. I do want to correct the record. Um, I don't know okay. who said that. Sound like Pardo sends. Don't love murder. I actually mm-hmm. don't like true crime.
1: This hmm. is you like fake crime.
0: <laughs> this is actually one of my top three. So in this segment, we'll go around the room, round table style. Each host jots down three things that we want to bring up together and talk about, and then we'll give our letterbox rating. <laughs> Minkus. What is going on? Daniel just posted a photo of Minkus from Boy Meets World. Minkus is World. the one
1: that gets killed. Oh my, what? Car. It is? Can we wake up? I didn't did think you that watch kid, this movie? I didn't think that kid grew up. He did it. Did you see him in the car? <laughs> that was Minkus getting shot.
0: So, I'm not a true crime person. Like, I don't listen to true crime podcasts. um, Mainly, I mean, partially because they're all the freaking same and none of them do anything different. I will say, we talked about this in Discord this week, but the In the Dark podcast Mm. is probably the only true crime podcast I'll ever listen to. It's the best podcast I've ever listened to. Um, Golly. It's, uh, the first season is about, like, the first... um, I actually don't even know why I listened to it. I must've had a road trip for me to get so low that I'd listen to true crime, but... Okay. The first season is about like the, you know, the first kind of like public kidnapping that took place. Like a boy, a young boy went missing Mm -hmm. and eventually, you know, you follow the case about what the cops did wrong and how the mother, you know, went on a crusade to um, have more strict laws about like sex offenders Mm-hmm. Um, and then amazingly, over the years um this isn't really a spoiler it's it, this is real life, but she eventually changes her <laughs> this she changes her tone <laughs> over the years um and feels like you know some of her work in that area has actually just went too, went too hard like the sex mm-hmm. offender laws today are very difficult to get out of. And like they they put people in a, in a really bad place. So it's it's an amazing podcast. It's the best podcast I've ever listened to. The season one, season two goes with a murder story, which was very popular this year. So check it out. Part um, where do you stand on murder and true crime?
3: Uh I remember when I wrote it off. There was there was the making of a murderer doc that came on Netflix about the guy like in the trailer park who seemed like he was framed by the police, but then it like came out that he wasn't. I don't even remember what happened in that. Sorry. And then there was one, I think the last one I watched, there was something called like, I want to say it was like the devil next door about like this psychotic woman. And I remember when it ended, I just turned to Jen. I was like, I think I'm done. (laughs) I think I'm done watching these true crime, you know, series that make me all depressed and like want to crawl into a hole and like hate life. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm done. So that's where I, I stopped, but I think, didn't they do an in the dark documentary? Cause that sounds
0: very familiar. I don't think I listened to the podcast. I don't, I don't know if there was a video component, but it's funny you mentioned that because I blocked out that I watched that same documentary about that woman, the murderer next door or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it left me feeling just like absolute trash about our society. Like, I couldn't, yeah. like, I couldn't wrap my head. I think that's also when I just kind of, like, checked out. Like, this just isn't for me. And making, yeah, I forgot about that Netflix show, Making a Murder or whatever. But, man, that was so popular. Like, everyone was talking about it. And True Crime is, like, the number one podcast category today. It has been for eons. So there's definitely a hunger for it. But I don't have an appetite for it anymore.
1: Danny? Listen.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he loves it.
1: I can't get enough of it. I can't get enough. I I listen to true crime podcasts quite a bit and I think I've listened to the most about the Zodiac. It's always been Ooh. a fascination. Um, there's been a few different ones that have kind of gone through the stories kind of beat by beat and then copycats, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um but I listen to you know stories of you know people getting lost in the national parks i love those kind of stories i just there's there's a there's a weird fascination with it that i just i i like the i i, I enjoy the true crime stories but um so yeah yeah so this is the zodiac movie is right up my alley
0: we're not this is a judgment-free zone you know that
1: i don't feel judged okay I'm anti-murder, but I'll listen to any story you want to tell me.
0: (laughs) I love how all three of us have had to say on the record that we're (laughs) anti-murder. Someone's got to say it. There's going to be some idiot leaving an iTunes review, was really shocked when they didn't come out against murder in their Zodiac (laughs) episode. Sociopath. Uh, So that was my number one. I just wanted to kind of talk about true crime, but we can officially kind of get Mm. into things. Um, what's what's number one on your list?
3: Uh, number one for me, and th- th- I remember thinking this when I first saw it, was the the structure of this movie and how the story is told. Uh, it just feels that um, I would imagine like David Fincher probably had like complete control over this. He told the story how he he wanted to because it doesn't really feel like it has a normal arc for a movie and where it's. Like there's drama and there's like characters and you see things change over time, but it almost feels like it kind of keeps the same like pace for the entire almost. You know, this is movies almost three hours long. Uh, it, it keeps like the same pace throughout, and then even like how it ends. Of course, you know there there isn't a murderer to find, so he doesn't change history. Um, there's kind of, you know, for the character of Robert Graysmith, there seems to be some kind of closure that, you know, here he is, he's looking at the guy that he thinks did it and kind of sees him eye to eye and that's kind of it. But other than that, just the way the movie is structured, it just it just feels so different to me in in how there there aren't like these beats of a, of a story or um, just like a different movement. It just feels very steady throughout the whole thing. And I'm curious if you guys... I think this the the same in just how it how it's presented.
1: You know, I I think I do agree with you. There's a it's it's, I know it's based on Robert's book, and I feel like it's it is like reading a book. There's there's like it feels like there's, you're slowly going through, uh, the story, but it's not a tra- it doesn't feel traditional three arc narrative. It yeah. feels like we get it. Almost feels like two kind of halves. Not even that. I mean, so much of it is really about the police procedurals of how they went about dealing with uh, controlling the narrative, finding the killer, um, and et cetera, et cetera. but the the pace of it, it all, it just feels like it's just like a pot ready to like boil over. It's just the building up, the building up, the building up, getting to the end. It's a real nice slow burn that I really enjoy. It's like a pot, or don't you don't you like do that turkey thing outside
0: with the like? what Oh what do yeah, you call that? deep fried turkeys, deep fried. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, <laughs> anti murder but pro deep frying turkey.
1: <laughs> I'll teach anyone how to
0: do Someone's it. Someone's gonna die one of these days cooking those turkeys like that.
1: Hope someone um, films it. <laughs>
2: Like,
0: talk was, to me. I but, want to set up a camera. Didn't the fried oil Podcast coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I as Perto was talking about the, the the like the way the movie unfolds. I think this was also a reason why I never really pushed myself to watch it. Was because like, didn't they not catch the Zodiac killer? Like, what? Why would I watch this long movie about how they didn't catch him? I think that was probably my one of my initial turnoffs, and when you think of like the book aspect makes a lot more sense. Like, you know, the the journey, my journey, you know, attached to the Zodiac case. That like doesn't sound normal for a movie pitch because like there's no resolution. It's almost like the resolution is just kind of like the character's progression over time and like how they change or how their life is impacted by like searching for the Zodiac killer. And that's like not, an enticing, in and of itself, it's not an enticing reason to watch a movie, I feel like, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah, I'm curious as to what the, like, the audience reaction was to this when it came out. Um, You know, what did people think of it? Because, yeah, I think if you're saying, oh, uh, you know, this movie's about a a serial killer and what the expectations might be with a movie like that, and then you come and eat this movie, you're here for two, two and a half hours, and there is no, like, satisfying resolution in the way that you typically expect. Um, You know, I wonder what like the, the, the conversations were
0: around this movie. Mm -hmm. And I guess too, you could say that like, I know that there's many things in this movie um, who said in chat about like how this exposes certain things about society, but like also my expectation that there should be a resolution for me to want to watch this movie probably also Mm -hmm. says something about, you know, movie watching society writ large. Mm. Danny, what's uh, first on your list?
1: I think first on my list is easily the cinematography of this movie. I find I've only seen this three times. I forget how perfect it is when it comes to visual, um, styling of David Fincher's movies, especially this one. There's something about old San Francisco that he captures incredibly well in this. Um, but just his, um, I don't know what the word is just his per his his style as a director, um, watching each scene kind of unfold, uh, the first scene alone, uh, when they're slowly driving the car through the town or this, the, the, the little neighborhood, uh, to pick up Minkus before he goes and like, they slowly pass through the, the, the cameras, the camera work in this film is insane. Mm -hmm. Um, and i just I forget how incredible Ventura is at this. And I know he kind of has his hand in the editing bits of it and um i watched I watched today like an hour long it was like a behind the scenes commentary on uh working with David on this film and it's it's basically two of the writers i think and what what always amazed me watching this was cuz I showed a lot of a lot a lot of back behind the scenes and how things were done is how david seems like the best person to work with like he he seems like such a collaborator and a, a listener and someone that uh you would want to make a movie with and so um it kind of made me love it even more like watching his ideas, watching him build out the the murder scenes, um, and really like taking care of what the story he's telling, uh, it's it's impressive, and it, and it shows in the work. It shows in you know the dark scenes, uh, the, the taxi cab murder scene. Um, it's a, it's an incredibly gorgeous scene. It's green screen in the background. I would never have known that they didn't shoot on location there mm. without watching this kind of stuff. But the, his, just the the his his planning and his his uh, care and 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 the camera, it's it shows.
0: Same cinematographer as Birth, with Nicole Kidman.
4: What a I want nice to talk about
0: that movie. <laughs> God. Also, the same cinematographer as The Game, uh, Harris Savides.
3: So. Yeah, I think of um I think of Fincher as like a, a director's director where yeah, everything is just it just seems like pitch perfect like he's getting the movie exactly how he wants it to be. Uh I said similar things about like Ridley Scott, you know, like these two guys, it to me like even if a movie gets panned, it's like I still want to watch it because I I consider them like they're masters of the craft. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know everyone disliked House of Gucci but like I love I, I just loved watching what Ridley Scott created in that mm-hmm. um, and I think it's the same with Fincher it's like I appreci- appreciate all of his movies and I haven't uh, and, and like it's like I want to watch all of them I, I haven't ever watched The the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo because it's like the the, the movie the story I had like zero interest in but it's like well it's David Fincher so mm-hmm. I know I'm going to watch it at some point
0: yeah I was reading, I guess it was on the wiki, they were talking about how like Fincher is one of those directors that does like a ton of takes. Oh my and gosh. Jake kind of like didn't love it sometimes, but then you hear from Mark Ruffalo who had like a more comfortable, you know, approach to it like he viewed it as like, you know, I'm stepping into this this director's world, you know, and he he's the one guiding everything and you're supposed to kind of like be uncomfortable when you're filming these movies to try to get something different out of you. So he was like kind of fine with, with that approach to filmmaking. Um, but you're both anti Ruffalo, you know, you've been on the record as Mm. being very not in favor
1: Mm. of Ruffalo. Before we move on to Ruffalo, when you brought up the takes, there's a, there's an amazing moment in the documentary I watched today where, um, they were just trying to take a shot of Jake Dropping his sketchbook onto uh, the front seat of the car. And they Jake jokes whoever is filming the documentary, I was like, How many times do you think I'm going to take this? And he says 15 takes. And they show them all, and there's 36 takes of him dropping a book onto the front seat of the car. And they're just laughing between takes. And <laughs> Fincher is not. Getting the the way the book is landing on the chair correctly that he wants, and they do it thirty six times. And I, oh I was God. just like amazed. Like Jake's laughing, everyone's laughing that he wants another take. It's amazing. There was there was
0: one in the wiki. I can't remember what scene they were talking about, but there was one that like they did the fifty six times, and the fifty six take was the one that was in the movie. Like that, they finally <laughs> got it. Something it's insane.
1: crazy. I mean, I, I respect it. He yeah, knows. what I can't imagine.
3: I don't know if I can imagine being in that position where it's like, there's all these people around you working and that for something that small to be mm-hmm. like, you know, you're at 30 takes and like, we're going to do it again. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's literally like you're having... holding the book and he's just putting it to the side of him. And yeah. it's, I'm not even seeing Jake. It's just a close up of the book landing on the chair. It's so it's hilarious to me. It, like the,
0: I guess it, for the other part would be like, if you're having a conversation with an actor and you are you have to do it like 56 times, I guess it would kind of like wear on you be like, man, I really thought we nailed it on like take 22, but mm-hmm. I'm just so far beyond what I was doing back then that like, I don't even like any of these takes, but I guess it's really ultimately not up to them. Ruffalo.
2: Hmm.
0: What'd you think? Are you, are you back on the Ruffalo, uh, train in um, the wind column for you, Danny?
1: I mean, to be back on a train, you'd have to first be on a train. Is that how that works?
0: Are you on the Ruffalo train for the first time ever? I would say
1: I bought a ticket to the train ride after this viewing. Mm. Okay. I was like, Danny, grow up and, you know, watch without any bias of this man that you have this time around. And he's incredible in this film. He does a really great job uh, of selling detective work for something that is a big deal. And I believed it the whole time. Uh, and I think Ruffalo does a great job in this.
0: Did you buy a ticket at the same station? Yeah, I liked Ruffalo in this as well.
3: I think the problem is, right, the problem with everybody for Ruffalo is that 90% of his movies, he's the Hulk.
0: Um, <laughs> right. You don't watch those movies, though.
3: You can ignore them.
0: Well, we were yeah. all forced to watch them.
3: That, that's yeah. You had um, that's and that's the problem. He, his, you know, his career will be forever uh, tainted by those movies. <laughs> mm. um, that's not true. But I liked, I, liked, I liked him in this. I think he's I mean, he's got an amazing head of hair, those sideburns. Yeah. Yeah. He looks incredible in this, and I think he gives a great performance.
0: His hair, it needs to be studied. What he mm. was able to do at the latter stage of this movie with his hair it looked f- extremely flammable what they were doing to get it in those positions, but it looked amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Uh, my number two, you know, I think I, so I watched mind Hunter. We're talking about like true crime. I don't know if I perfect show mainly view that as true crime is almost like a procedural investigation of stuff. Um, Mindhunter was the TV series on Netflix that Fincher executive produced and I think directed a lot of those episodes. I loved Mindhunter. Mm -hmm. It's still like insane to me that they're not going back to do a third season or maybe they will, but it seems like it's kind of dead. So I wonder if like, Mindhunter was like my Zodiac almost because I had not seen Zodiac. So like Mindhunter, I'm like, you guys need to see this. This is like the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like great TV show. I love Mindhunter. So going back and watching then, then seeing Zodiac, you know, not to like give away anything, but like, it's almost like the hype didn't make any sense to me because I, I waited for so long to watch this and I've seen Mindhunter where it's not like this movie didn't really like knock my socks off, you know, like instant five bang or whatever. Does that make sense? That like, I've seen other things that, Fincher had done since then that were almost like, mm-hmm. in my view, better than Zodiac. Yeah, that makes sense. I can understand
3: that. I haven't seen Mine Hunter, so uh, I can't really
0: compare it. You love Mine Danny, right?
1: Yes. Oh, I loved Mine and I agree. I think I don't. Well, you know, I don't know if I agree that Mine Hunter is better. I think they're equally great. Uh true crime kind of storytelling mm. David David that's it's his wheelhouse for sure just a random
0: aside the how about Anthony Edwards in this movie from incredible ER incredible job yeah the doc from ER <laughs> I do, maybe I the do. his did you watch ER <laughs> no I never watched ER that's the only thing oh, I know God. him from I was like wait that's the guy from ER what's he doing here <laughs> My, I watched ER with
3: my mom and I specifically remember when his character died and it was like one of the worst deathbed speeches i had ever heard and I was Sellers. like probably 13 at the time I was like this is awful this How is did this he guy's die? last words <laughs> uh, I think it was cancer oh <laughs> uh, right, um,
0: proto number
3: two so Jake Gyllenhaal's character Robert Graysmith I'm fascinated by this guy's domestic life like this, this, this dynamic with his wife. So, you know, like halfway through in the movie, he is separated from his wife and kids basically because he's obsessed with the Zodiac and trying to solve this case. And his wife is still like not on his side, but still like backing him up and like going to see him and like checking in on him and kind of like acting like he's, you know, um, like he's just like in this state and we'll get through it and they'll yeah. just mm-hmm. stay together. But I just find that like so bizarre that you, if like your spouse became so obsessed, especially of all things to become obsessed with, like a serial killer, like chasing <laughs> this down, that she would still want to engage with him, mm. especially with like the way it's presented. To me, it's presented like he's blowing off his family just to like, you know, chase after the Zodiac. Yeah, Um, I just I just really find it fascinating that that was the dynamic, and that in this presentation she she puts up with him. And of course, if it's based on the book, you know, I'm sure it's probably colored by you know he's the author. So who knows what the real story
0: is? But I'm
3: I'm like endlessly fascinated by the relationship. It was a different time back
2: then,
0: maybe. Like if I if if I buy another watch, my wife isn't going to be like. I know you're going through something. Just get back to me when you're done spending our money. I'll be here with the kids waiting for you. That's not something she's going to say. We'd be literally finished. So, yeah, that that aspect of it felt almost like dated to the point where, I don't know, I'm I'm not making a big sweeping assumption, but like the 70s were different. You know, maybe like women are more forgiving. I have no idea, but yeah. that. Oh, gosh. If I'm getting phone calls at the house, heavy breathing phone calls, and I'm writing a book on a serial killer and they know where we live, like we're out of here. We're not staying. We're gone. What do you think, Danny? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I. If you were writing a I, book on a serial killer, would you expect Casey <laughs> to just kind of like go to yes. the in-laws for a couple of weeks until you sorted this out?
1: Um, no, I don't, that's not who Casey is, but it it, it was interesting. I, I actually, I, every time I've watched it, I keep thinking she delivers, she serves him divorce papers, but it's not it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. She eventually divorces him in real life, like five Spoilers. years later, um, that he claims is the call, the Zodiac, his obsession with it was the reason of their marriage being divorced. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shocker
0: <laughs> blindsided by that
2: mm.
0: yeah their their relationship was fascinating like their first date and she seemed like very forgiving for the entire thing right from the onset because I think it's when they first started dating he was still kind of like kicking the tires and and starting that whole process right
3: yeah well there is that great line I don't remember if she says it or he says it that it's like that first date never ended for them
1: yeah mm-hmm. That's what he mm-hmm. called our marriage. Danny, number two. Number two. Um, whenever I think of Zodiac, the movie, um, I think of the basement scene. It. I think every time that scene happens, whether or not, I mean, I know how it ends. I know every beat of that scene. I still get like sick to my stomach, nervous about that whole um, interaction. And it's, it's, it's all, because of David, it's all because of Jake's performance. And even, I honestly forget the guy's, the actor's name, but um, the person he's seeing, when he I says say the this, line... Mr. Graysmith, I do the posters myself. It's my handwriting. I still get the chills, like that whole reaction, Jake's reaction to him finding out that that was his handwriting all the time. And then to lead him down into the basement... Uh, what a perfectly shot scene. Like I, there's so many, uh, horror movies that I've seen where, um, it's like the big moment. This still kind of gets me a lot, like more than like legit horror movies. Like there's something about, uh, the slow panning up when he's like, are you the only person in the house? Or when even when they cut the light off and he's still talking in the dark to Jake, I mean it's terrifying, and him just kind of running out, uh, and then the quick cut when he's trying to get the door and it's locked, and uh, the guy doesn't come in scene, but he comes into scene in the mirror reflection. It's so chilling. Like it's it's just it's just a beautiful work of art from David and, and crew on that scene.
0: Why would you not leave immediately when he says he's the one who's writing on the posters,
1: Jake? Please
0: immediately. Also, why did that guy turn into a complete psycho like creepy psycho like <laughs> right at that moment? No, like, I'm gonna start freak being a freak to you. Yeah, it
3: feels like he's intentionally playing with, yeah. with Robert in that moment.
4: Yeah, yeah I look- think
3: that I think that's the best scene in the movie. I agree. Yeah, it's like it's insane. It, it's so good the way everything about it. The lighting in the basement's incredible. The build up, it's just and it kind of blindsides you because like when you when it starts, you don't like, that's not the expectation that, like, oh, this guy could be the, the killer, right? He's just, like, going to, like, get information from him.
0: And just the way it unfolds is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an amazing scene. Yeah, there's so much of this movie that, you know, it, it's obviously supposed to do this. But, like, there's so many aspects where, you like, you think this person is the person, but then you get this, like, Circumstantial evidence about person B, and you're like, oh my god, it's so obvious. This is the person. Why don't we think of this? And then you see like that scene, and you're like, wait, that's person C. Oh, it's so Mm -hmm. obvious. Why, why don't we think of this person? And like that kind of blends into my my final point, where like there's so much of this movie kind of reflects these like investigations, where like the handwriting fricking thing just totally discounted the main guy. Whereas, like, all the circumstantial evidence, looking back, obviously pointed him to being the Zodiac Killer. But then, like, the handwriting didn't match and just completely discounted. And, like, so much of this stuff is what I remember hearing in True Crime podcasts and shows about, like, all these, like, missteps with hindsight 20 years later. Like, oh, my God, how could they have done that? And then you see them having these conversations with other precincts trying to work together. And it's like chaos. Chaos. Trying to work with any other group of investigators. It's like a miracle that like anything was done in these investigations and not just like half-assed. So like my final point was like really about how, I mean, I don't know how many, how cops' lives in general, like, in this era, and I guess today, but, like, doing these investigative works, how are your lives just not totally ruined? Mm-hmm. Dealing with this stuff every day. Yeah. <laughs> like, trying to solve these murders, you're on a crime scene, you're seeing dead bodies, you're seeing murdered people, you're trying to solve a case to hopefully make, you know, their families feel better. And then I think even Ruffalo said that, like, because Jake was so pissed that they they closed the case, or they weren't actively investigating. And then... Hall was like, do you know how many people died last Mm -hmm. week or like this year? You know, no one's, no one's gives a crap about all these people, but you're fighting the, the good fight for, you know, these five dead bodies or whatever. It's just like, it's so like depressing to think about the work that is involved to try to catch these people. So like that's, and then you see it with Jake, like Ruffalo lives it and he's kind of like dealing with it, but then Jake goes through it becomes like this pseudo-investigator and his life just gets ruined. Like he can't handle mm-hmm. it like Ruffalo somewhat could have. So that journey was, I thought, super powerful to see Hall kind of deal with like what these cops deal with and then like shut off or try to shut off at night. It mm-hmm. was crazy. And
1: mm-hmm. they try to, and they, and they, they even show goose kind of giving up too. like, he's changing his beat, not being his partner anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he can't take it anymore as well. And like, he's got to change, have a lifestyle change. I mean, you can't live that forever.
0: Yeah. I will say my favorite scene of the movie is when he confronts him in that like ACE hardware store.
1: Oh, the finals, they, the ending.
0: Yeah, like and yeah. Then they just, they lock eyes. Mm-hmm. Like that is a nuts scene. Mm-hmm. Nuts. Ugh. I mean that that investigation scene where they they confront him at his job. Yeah,
3: it's crazy.
0: <laughs> it's like it's him. Yeah, it's it's like, obviously him. What do you and pull, they
3: like what can't he gives do anything. The Zodiac watch. Like, yeah. Oh
1: my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Oh, the bloody knives. I was cutting up chickens. Oh, you didn't see those? (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. Love it. So then I was like Googling,
0: like, is handwriting, I think it has a name, the art of like matching handwriting. Is that like legit still? Like, is that something that will make or break a case? It just seems so haphazard that like an entire suspect is totally ruled out because of that. I don't know. Just feels like a strange thing. Because
1: of how he wrote his case. Yeah. Proto number
3: three. How about Robert Downey Jr.? Get him out of here. <laughs> As Paul Avery. Um, you know, I double dipped on RDJ this week. hmm did, did you watch Zodiac? Well, he's an Oppenheimer.
1: Oh, that's right. He's some in some people are saying,
3: yeah, some people are saying his best performance.
0: Oscar, they're saying. Oscar-worthy.
3: Um, I like RDJ in this. Although, I think my problem is that, again, not to bring up MC the MCU again. Please. But his, you know, I think with RDJ, it's kind of like what you see was, is what you get. He kind of just, you know, he does his shtick in yeah. all of his movies. He has, his mannerisms are so strong that he, like, can't escape it. Um. And whenever I now like, I equate that not with him, but with Tony Stark, mm-hmm. and it kind of like drives me crazy um, in that way. And I because it reminds me of you know those experiences in those movies, and um, but um, but I I like him in this. Like I like Robert Downey Jr. I like how he performs and how he lives in a character. And even if he is kind of just doing his thing, I think he's compelling and he's fun. I think he's got like great timing and just. He's got good chemistry with with Jake in this, especially.
0: Um so I enjoyed
3: his performance.
2: hmm
0: Yeah, he's essentially RDJ Tony Stark in this movie. You're right. Like it's, it's there's no difference. But I will say he's he's definitely doing some work in in Oppie. Oh, yeah. for sure. Mm. What do you think of RDJ, Danny?
1: I, I think he just he just falls into the like for me, I can't I can't picture him as anything else, like Proto said. But also, it's weird because he's not bad in this. But I don't enjoy it because I can't get past. He did too good <laughs> as Tony Stark. <laughs> yeah, there. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Um, it's it's really weird. It's a weird conundrum because I don't think he's bad in this film, but also. Every time he's on scene, I'm just like, whatever. I, I just don't enjoy it because I'm so burnt out on him, I guess. Maybe that's what it is. I, I don't know. Yeah, he did take, I feel like he did take a long break
0: after the last Avengers movie he was in. Not that he had to work or needs to work for the rest of his life, but hmm. <sighs> Danny,
1: final point. Oh, gosh, final point. Let's see. What haven't we talked about? Um, I mean, we really haven't talked about how good Jake is in this. I mean, maybe we have hinted at it a bit. <clears throat> I think this is my favorite Jake Gyllenhaal movie. I think he's there's something about the progression from uh, being a cartoonist every day to um, losing his absolute mind trying to figure out the Zodiac killer. Um, I, I can't get over how good it is when we see him at the beginning where he's just kind of dad getting his kid to school, uh, doing his sketches, presenting them. And then the cipher falls on his desk and his life is instantly changed forever from one letter coming in the mail. And he plays it so well. I mean, um, it's just an incredible progression, character development from Jake throughout the entire movie. There's there are so many moments where, like it's 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 like the complete opposite for being with Robert Downey Jr. I can watch what Jake is doing and can be completely sold on everything, and I forget that I'm watching Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm watching him perform as Robert, mm-hmm. and um, I don't I don't get to that with, Rob, with Donnie. Downey. Um, but towards the end, I'm thinking. I got to wiki this. Like, he's been he's been awarded Oscars for this, right? Every Oscar should have been given to this movie, correct? And it's nothing. Mm. Like, nothing. No nods to anything. I was shocked at performances weren't given any. Mm. Especially to Jake. I think Jake's incredible at this.
0: Yeah, Jake's great in this. I feel like people make fun of Jake Gyllenhaal for, like, being in Ambulance. We're like, who's Jake Gyllenhaal's agent? What's he doing these movies for? He's been in Nightcrawler, Donnie Darko, Prisoners, Zodiac, Brokeback Mountain, Enemy, Nocturnal Animals, uh, Spider-Man, if you are into that. He's been in big, popular, critically acclaimed movies. So like, I don't get the kind of like wh- finger wagging at Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he's doing just fine, personally. Danny, have you seen Nightcrawler?
1: I have, yeah. He's great in oh, that. Okay. Yeah. I think I just prefer this his his story in this, but I do he's incredible in Nightcrawler.
2: mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
0: He's got great hair. There's no way around <laughs> it. I mean, look at this LB photo of his hair. This is ridiculous. I'm going to start getting IG ads for whatever hair product I need to use to get that. Hims? Is yeah. that what that pro- that product is Hims?
1: Hims. <laughs> Yeah, hymns yeah, and hymns. and a couple yeah. million dollars in your bank, and you'll be good for that hair. Uh I've
0: probably got a cookie on my browser that is now gonna serve me triple the <laughs> hymns ads in IG.
1: In four months' time, you'll see some growth.
0: <laughs> Story of my life. Um we had honorable mentions now? I think so. Let's see. I, I also like there's a, a a brouhaha about how this was like filmed primarily digital digitally. Mm-hmm. I didn't like kind of notice like if if I didn't read anyone saying about how it was filmed digitally, I probably wouldn't have even batted an eyelash. I did read that like the like that he was like editing it in Final Cut Pro or Final Cut X and like using 1080i files, so. I wonder what the 4K situation is like for this. Like, I wonder if they, you know, eventually put it on to, like, maybe there's a, a master transfer that exists in a higher resolution for it, but
1: I don't know. Well, I don't, the The opening kind of pan into San, San Francisco is a little bit suspect. So I don't know if mm-hmm. we want, I don't know if we want this in 4K.
3: <laughs> yeah, I thought any, th- those scenes with the bridges, the CGI.
1: Yeah. Sus. It's a little rough. Yeah, I mean well it's an says. older film, but I don't well, let's yeah. just keep it on let's keep it on Blu-ray.
0: Keep it. The cost of living in the 60s, every time I watch a movie in like the late 60s or 70s, I just get irritated about how easy it was to just like own a home or whatever. <laughs> Ugh. FM. <them. laughs> I loved how the history teacher solves that like first um zodiac message, like a couple of days yeah. later. That was cool. That whole like montage was was rad. I mean, the murder scenes really sucked. I hate hate watching that stuff.
1: Oh man, they're so good.
0: That woman in the car with the <sighs> tire. What are we doing? Oh, what are the we doing? baby.
1: Yeah, just playing Being right out.
0: into his hands. Jeez, lucky to Can be we alive. Not? She jumped out
3: yeah I like how that 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 was described though like you don't see her jumping out. you just see her in this in the road afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, th- I like the 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 pace of that scene.
1: imagine mm-hmm. trying to film a scene with her barrel rolling with the baby in her arms. <laughs> Michael Bay would have done it. <laughs> oh, God he would have flown a drone all
0: over her rolling down that hill when um Brian Cox appeared on screen i th- I honestly thought it was Marlon Brando, and I Ooh. was like, man. Cox would make a great Jor El in like another Yo. Superman reboot. That AM logo on that TV show, horny. That was nuts.
1: That that's a that's a great logo.
0: Extremely sexual logo design. Um, I love the passage of time. You know, like years later. Like and the, they show the dates constantly. Just how long this is. Keeping Christmas cards. Did your parents ever keep Christmas cards?
1: Yes, my piles of did. them. Oh my God. Yeah. So bizarre. Put him in the bed. Um,
0: His hair. I put Hulk in parentheses to make sure who I was talking about. Um, Yeah, Jake is losing it. Uh, Yeah, the ending was was amazing. The last like 20 minutes are probably my favorite parts of the movie. I'm kind of torn at a rating. I don't know where I'm at. I think I'm probably going to end up at four stars. It's a great movie. Glad to have finally watched it. But I, I feel like the hype train passed me by a long time ago where hmm. it's never going to have that kind of like same impact that it's had on most people that watch this movie for the first time like years ago. I feel like I've kind of maybe done myself a disservice by seeing other things before I watch Zodiac. So that's where I'm at for Zodiac. <laughs> There's a Hams Photoshop. <laughs> 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 oh, shoot. Proto?
3: Honorable mentions. I think we covered most most of the stuff. Um, I I wonder what it was like to like live through this of a you know this a serial killer who I imagine this was you know a nationwide story, but like living in San Francisco at the time when this was going on, just like what that would have felt like. Because there's like nothing to con- compare it to. Right. Like these days. I mean, I remember, remember, like, there was the DC shooter. Um, I mean, oh, I feel yeah. like that's the only thing I can think of mm. that's like that we lived through that was like similar. Um, <sighs> Breathe it. The mutual obsession with the Zodiac. Um, Yeah, all these guys like being obsessed with it, especially like Paul Avery, like the RDJ character. I kind of wish there was like a little bit more to explain why he went that way. Um, You know, just kind of like falling out of the case. But Mm -hmm. yeah, the thing about this is like, I think it's, I think the movie looks amazing. Um, It's not that I don't like the way it's paced. You know, or that it doesn't have like a traditional arc. It just like gives like a certain vibe and feeling to a move into this movie. Um, and I also don't really enjoy the content. Mm. Like, you know, I, again, I'm anti murder. <laughs> um, I'm not obsessed with true crime. It's just like not my thing, really. So, like, I'm not, there's nothing that like draws me to this type of movie. So, I'm at three stars for
2: Zodiac. Whoa!
0: There's people passed out with podcast apps open right now
1: listening. Um, Danny, let's see any honorable mentions. Um, I wrote down police jurisdiction. That whole segment where they're doing yeah. h- how fast would this have been solved if there wasn't jurisdiction nonsense? Like, it, just talk to each other, idiots. Demeasuring. measuring. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, a proto three star is a Danny five star. Is that the is that how it works? <laughs>
2: that, is That's that is true. That is true.
1: I have it. At, I have it at four and a half stars on Letterboxed. Uh, I think falling in love with not falling in love with buying the ticket to uh, the Ruffalo train this time bumps it up a little bit more for because oh. he's my he's my ne- he was my negative. Um, I didn't mm. I didn't really connect with him, but I I bought it this time and. I... I think I can kind of call myself a little bit of a Fincher fanboy. I I fell in love watching that documentary of him today. Um, He, it was like one of those things like, Oh man, how can I work with David Fincher one day? Like he just (laughs) felt like that kind of person you want to be around and work with and collaborate with and be creative around. And uh, he just lended, he had that, he had that air about him that uh, this is someone that's, a person you want to be around. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to give it five stars. Um, <sighs> I, ha, I, I have to start with my heart and I had a great time this time.
2: Oh, uh,
0: can you watch the game? Can you add that to your to-do list in the next couple of weeks? Yes. Okay,
1: hold on. The game is so much Let Follow. me add it to my watch list.
0: Oh, could this be? We back! Is this happening? Danny adding a movie <laughs> to his watch list. It's Has it ever been done? I don't think it has. Game... Done.
1: Damn. Do you know how? Wait, Do you know? I don't a know. <laughs> I don't know how to add it. Hold on.
0: Um, There's a watch list button on the page on Letterboxd.
1: No, I'm on Above my app. I'm on the re- app. I'm on the app. Watch Pull list. Done. The, it's uh, on my watch list.
0: Oh, wow, this the is game. a big moment. This is a big freaking moment. It's I good. might rewatch. Love this movie. Still watch along. Oh my god.
3: My oh, that would be fun with that, like Danny not seeing it before. <laughs> have you seen it, Proto? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's so much fun. It's such a cool
0: movie. We have a lot of letters to get to. Believe it or not, some. lot of love for Zodiac out there. Not the person, but the movie. Um, you can send us a letter or a voice memo at what's our email? 70 at gmail Art. Art attacking those that weren't sending in letters. Maybe it keyed something off. and inside. You don't mess with art. Unhinged art. This one's about Truman Show. It comes from Mercedes. Subject line, Truman Show. Hello, 70MM. I really enjoyed the discussion on the Truman Show, especially imagining what it would be like in the age of cell phones and internet. If you haven't already, check out the show Jury Duty on Amazon. They hire a bunch of actors, even James Marsden, and create a fake court case. There's one normal guy who they continue to mess with as the jury gets sequestered for three weeks. The episode where they tell him and he realizes all his relationships are fake is devastating. <laughs> Thanks for making such fabulous content for us to look forward to every Monday.
1: Thank you very much. I have this thing where if I watch, like it's usually people singing, it, I get embarrassed. Like I don't, know, I don't know what that feeling is, like a self-embarrassment. Uh, And I watched the first episode of Jury Duty, Casey and I did, and I I couldn't watch the screen. I felt, it hurt me so bad what they were doing to this man that I was stressed. Like, I just felt like I was cringing so hard uh, at this guy's reaction. Like, I couldn't look at the screen. I can't take that kind of stuff. I felt so bad for him. I don't think I could watch that either.
0: Mercedes asking a tall order. Oh, Zodiac subject Mm -hmm. line next email from Tiana hey 70mm I was gonna do a voicemail but I got too nervous so please read this in the voice of a 20 year old girl but not so high pitched as when Slim screened I'm king of the world beaker style on the (laughs) Titanic app that was actually Proto that was was the other white on the show (laughs) the other Slim (laughs) still maybe my favorite moment in the history of the show that video that was it Paul that made the video that looped into the scene Oh, my God. Amazing. Quick story for you. Three years ago, it was my pick for Movie Night with Friends, so I obviously chose La La Land. No one objected except for one guy who'd never seen it. In trying to convince him it was a worthwhile watch, I allegedly and inadvertently spoiled the movie for him. He mumbled and grumbled through the whole thing. The following evening, that same guy chose a movie called Zodiac, This one I had never seen. Five minutes in, he leaned over to whisper in my ear. I felt this was prematurely romantic until I realized it was not a sweet nothing, but was actually the spoiler ending to the film. Oh! I was filled with rage as well as a strange sensation that I had possibly met my match. Now, with this week's pick of Zodiac, the darndest thing occurred to me. I can't remember a thing about it. I can't even recall the spoiler he gave. It seems for the five hours that movie lasted, my psychological coping mechanisms (laughs) protected me. My eyes were so glazed over with anger that I took in zero information. All five lobes of my brain had fully shut down. I do not know who the killer is. With this in mind, it seems the best revenge is anticlimactic but satisfying as I will watch it this week by myself in hiding, probably in a closet, about time style. And it will be like about time because it will be as if it's my first viewing experiencing its full suspense. Then I'll emerge like a phoenix and reveal to him how little his... (laughs) (laughs) act. I'll emerge like a phoenix and reveal to him how his little act of payback on that godforsaken August night (laughs) did not in (laughs) fact succeed. Then we'll likely just discuss the film and debate its pros and cons until our wedding in October Shout out to Ramiro. Here's to a lifetime of movie based battles. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh! Love the pod. Looking forward to the next ep. Tiana. My God. Goodness. First time email, and that's the That's how good that's it is. Jeez. story. That's a romance. Holy. Oh, Setting oh. the friggin' bar.
1: Yes, we'll be in the wedding. Thanks for asking. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I picked Lala La
0: Land. You picked Zodiac. <laughs> he's gonna show up to the wedding having the exact hair that Mark Ruffalo did in that final scene. Same outfit, bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> Bell bottoms. All right, I think we have a VM. I do want to just call out uh, Allie. Allison left a VM that I was, the three of us were cracking up at. She it's <laughs> not to play her second attempt, but it ended with like her landlord calling and i read <laughs> the transcript and it was just like, hold on, let me find it. It was so funny. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies. And hold on, someone's calling. And the <laughs> VM ended. <laughs> Sorry, Allison. All right, we got a VM. Let's see for our Google Voice line. Believe it or not, let me pull up my voicemail machine.
4: Hi, seventy M M Pod community. This is Michael. Uh, Michael S forty seven in the Discord speaking to you from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm really looking forward to watching Zodiac later this week. My favorite feature is the social network, but my girlfriend loves Gone Girl so much that I'm a little concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to say something in regards to the last week's episode about the Truman Show. I watched this movie for the first time last week and I loved it. Five banger for me. I don't give those out easily. I saw Greta Gerwig mention the Truman Show as an inspiration for upcoming film Barbie and After mulling over the movie and listening to the episode, I realized that there's another huge movie that borrowed heavily from the style, themes, and structure of The Truman Show. 2012, directed by Gary Ross, adapted from the novel by Suzanne Collins, The Hunger Games. Wow. Seriously, the way the game makers are shown directing The Hunger Games and the contestants in a different situation, the way the narrative style cuts back to different audience reactions to the games. Uh, the personalities of the people putting The Hunger Games together, very similar to Kristoff and The Truman Show. I think if you watch this movie through this lens, you'll find that it's pretty much a direct homage to The Truman Show and how it adapted the book to screen. Even the very opening of The Hunger Games is a to Kristoff's interview in the beginning of Truman, as Seneca Crane describes how he views these reality games as a noble way of healing the country. Well, of course, we audience members know that they deserve to do real jail time for (laughs) these actions. Anyway, just thought it'd be funny to throw this out here. Maybe a Hunger Games month in the future. Mm And thanks for the excellent podcast.
0: (laughs) 400 patrons will do the Hunger Games episodes for sure. I did not just say that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've watched any of them to completion.
3: I apparently watched the first one.
1: You've never come to completion on them. How many
3: are there?
0: I think there's four, three. Doesn't the last out there fall. is four? Oh yeah, it's like a two-parter. Right. Fall. It's a dead reckoning homage. They did to end the series. Listen, I'm I'm open to it. Okay. We Can't gotta see. We gotta this. we gotta prove the theory we just heard right. Thank you for the VM. Do we? Is, Michael? is that Michael?
1: who That was. Forty-seven.
0: All right. Let's hear from Kirby. Subject line, Zodiac. Excuse me. Hello, 70mm boys. It's Kirby once again with another email. Zodiac has long been my favorite movie of all time, and I've been eagerly awaiting you guys to cover it on the show. God bless, proto Pendants. Am I right? As I've said in my Letterbox review, I often find it difficult to pin down why exactly I consider it a perfect movie because of so many factors that go into it, from Fincher's excruciating level of detail to Jake and Mark giving incredible performances as every man who descend into a mad obsession and despair. I truly think this film is was underrated for its time and deserved way more attention than it originally got. I guess when you release a movie the same year as No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood, the competition is just too fierce. Oh, how about that?
1: Yeah, that's something. It's a,
0: it's a big competition. I know everyone talks about the basement scene as being the highlight, and rightfully so. Can you name a scarier line than Mr. Graysmith? I do the posters myself. Mm-hmm. But my absolute favorite scene has to be, Arthur Lee Allen's interrogation the subtle acting from each of the three detectives as they notice more and more details that can link him to the Zodiac as well as the I've never read this word before diegetic sound effects of oh the gosh. oil refinery serving as punctuation for many of the lines are just chef kiss I've yet to see another I've yet to see another scene in a film consisting of just talking that can rile up such an insane level of anxiety While I'm here, I would also like to recommend you and the villagers to check out the real Zodiac book that Gray Smith wrote. Not only is it a compelling read, but it also shows just how much work Fincher and crew went into making this as authentic as possible to the real story. The audiobook version in particular is a chilling and fascinating listen anyways I don't want to get too deep into my feelings for this movie because I don't want this email to be five pages long but once again thank you for all the work you three do for the show and I cannot wait to see Danny's art of this masterpiece much love to you and all the villagers p s slim how are you still alive after Haley Atwell grabbed your hand and called you a nasty <laughs> man I would have melted into a puddle right on the spot Thank you Kirby mm. I still think about that moment a lot
3: I bet you do still hey. affected. <laughs>
0: Still think about it a lot. Haley, call me. Brandon next. Brandon. Subject line, director, Mount Rushmore. Oh, gosh. Hey, fellas, this week's mystery tour director pick had me thinking about directors all week, and for some reason I've been thinking about what my own personal Mount Rushmore of directors would be. Would be very interested to hear you discuss this topic. I feel like I could guess one to two for each of you, but I'm certain there would be some surprises as well. Love you all and everyone in the village. Celebrating my two-year anniversary of joining today. And I can't imagine my life without you all. Here's to many more. Your friend, Brandon, P.S. Danny, you have to talk about Olive's amazing art for this week's episode of (laughs) Bat and Spider. (laughs) Are you preparing her to completely take over the 70 millimeter art from you? (laughs) It's a good question.
1: Amazing. Um yeah, Dale, of our producer, Dale, Bat and Spider host, uh, reached out and asked if Olive would draw the cover for Chimera this week. Our, our sweet boy, Chad, uh, she got the draw. If you could have seen her face uh, when I showed her what Dale was asking of her to draw, <laughs> it, she couldn't <laughs> stop laughing, and she instantly said yes. Um, she was excited, and she did a great job. I'm proud of her. Uh, Dale... Is officially uh, Olive's first customer. Wow. client. Excuse Beautiful. me. Her first client was Dale. Holy which, moly. Dale and Chuck. Excuse me. Uh, incredible.
0: Who's on your Matt Rushmore directors? Oh,
1: easy. Uh, Spielberg, Celine Siama, Hitchcock, and Igmar Bergman.
0: My Dang, God, that, was, that was fast.
3: Dang, son.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's mine.
3: Proto? Oh, man. This is hard. Danny, making me look like a fool. Um, <laughs> gosh, I don't know. I mean, off the top of my head, I'm sure I'll forget somebody, but I feel like I got to give it to my boy Altman to start. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's a good one. It's a good one. I mean, you ever seen The Long Goodbye? Kidding me? Mm-hmm. No. Um... Just lies. Oh God. God. This is this is hard. I mean, I want to say Paul Thomas Anderson as well. Okay. Mmm. I don't
0: know. That's all I got for now. Wow. Goodness. <sighs> I'd probably put Scorsese up there.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Alfonso Cuaron. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. I'll put him up there.
1: Good too. pick.
3: Yeah. Okay. Good pick. You ever seen Roma? God. <laughs> Good pick.
0: Maybe. My girl is it Lynn Ramsey? Maybe Lynn Ramsey. Mm, some Lynn rat Ramsey catcher there. God, I probably got to put Paul Verhoeven up there too. Good
1: How many ahead. is that? I That's think you've got five three. on your. I'm on five. I got three. Give him. Give one more. It's <laughs> <Give,
2: we'll give, laughs> we'll my you Mount Rush where I can do whatever Just the hell it. I
1: want. Haley Atwell touched you. You can Haley Atwell's me. up there.
0: Her hand <laughs> on my hand is is one of the statues. <laughs> Um, I think that's a pretty good list. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause there. You know, things can change. Yeah, top four directors is hard. This is how all those celebs feel getting asked about their four faves on the red carpet. I bet. Now you know. Thank you, Brandon. Tiff writing in a letter. Is this the same Tiff who had those scandalous comments about our boy Kiwi Kwan
1: We don't need to go there on the record.
0: We don't, we don't want those comments on the no. record.
1: Trust me. Sake.
0: Tiff writes, Zodiac, subject line. Hey guys, Tiff here. First time emailer, just wanted to share a little bit about my history with Zodiac. In 2020, during the pandemic, I was going into my senior year of high school. My family and I had just moved, and on the first night in our new home, I turned on Netflix and threw this bad boy on. Yeah, mm. I wish it were on Netflix still. We decided to watch it. I had no idea what it was about. I had never even heard of the Zodiac Killer. I was floored. It was the greatest film I had ever seen. Before this, I was a pretty casual movie watcher, but this movie started my obsession with film. This movie means a lot to me. It is my favorite movie of all time. It is the reason why I decided to apply to college and go to film school. Hey. The coolest fact about this movie for me is that it's Fincher's first movie shot on digital cameras. You can tell every shot is perfectly framed with a ton of attention given to every single shot of the film. Love the show. You three are incredibly gifted at this. Till next time, sincerely, Tiff.
1: Thank you, Tiff. Tiff, thank you.
0: Thanks, Tiff. Wow, Netflix. I feel like this movie has been on Netflix for so long and it's I know so annoying to me that it was not on Netflix when we picked They're
1: it. They're listening to us.
0: I'm so sick of Netflix. How about them charging those people on their family family accounts? You heard about this? It happened to us. Really? Yeah. Are you paying the $8 to stay on the plan?
1: No, no, no. no.
0: That's we an were option, the, isn't we it? We were the Kate? plan
1: owners. Oh. <laughs> we picked up the slack. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. No more slack They're cut off. Up. Pay for your my own T-M- Netflix. My T Mobile
0: pays for like seventy five percent of my Netflix. That's like one of our perks.
1: Seventy five percent. Why would they come up with that number?
0: Well, they they said it was free, but then they like I upgraded to the four K, but they're not going to like give me more money for it. That is just going to stay at whatever, like oh, twelve bucks or something or whatever.
1: I wish Max would do that because I have Max through AT and T, but it's not four K Max. Oh, like I'll pay the difference, maybe case is not listed.
3: I was um, I was a leech um, leech really? my dad still yeah and I was ready to just w- once it we couldn't log in anymore I, I said to Jenna I was like let's just do without Netflix mm-hmm. but she said you know Alvin <laughs> he needs his kitty cats and whatever else the heck he's watching on there um, so I was like alright so and but yeah, we were watching we went to watch a Seinfeld episode today I got my yeah. first ad on Netflix
1: Oh Ew. my. Yep. What was it? Hems? <laughs> yep. Hems <out. laughs> don't look like Costanza. Four drops <laughs> a week. I actually can't. I don't think I even,
0: I don't know what the last thing I watched on Netflix is. I don't really watch it that much. Yeah, that's
3: the thing. I don't really use it.
0: I think I use Hulu a ton more. I use Max a ton more. Paramount, I think I even use more than Netflix. Peacock?
1: I think when we finish yeah, this yeah. watch through of Netflix or of Seinfeld, I don't know if we'll, I don't know how this long is it? Longer. we'll. This is the end. I don't know what, we don't really watch. I mean, we watched Is It Cake with the kids, but that's about it. Is It Cake? I was watching Gordon Ramsay's
0: new, um, new show on Hulu tonight.
1: Which is his new show? I
0: don't remember what the hell it's called.
1: <laughs> oh God. <laughs> uh, like Star. Heaven's Kitchen.
0: Star chef. They're not even chefs. He's like trying to. Like partner up with some business, small business owner, some entrepreneur. Oh, speaking of which I wanted to tell you, he's wearing a Hamilton watch. He oh, he got rid one? of his like yellow diver kind of like or whatever finally. it was. He's wearing um Hamilton field watch, pretty sure. Oh, excuse me. Gordon, yeah, call us.
1: Let's
0: talk. He's got style. He's always had style. I yeah. know that. Yeah. Big Gordon Ramsey fan, personally. Mm-hmm. All right. That's it for this week. Next week. Like I said at the top of the show, we well, for those that skipped right to this section, God bless you. But Danny is in a in a low, yeah, state of mind. Okay. Next week, we're going to be covering what the village voted for, which is Barbie, Greta Gerwig, mm. in theaters now exclusively. And Danny really wanted Oppenheimer. You you're going to see both of them this weekend, right? As a recording, that have... You'll, you'll have seen both.
1: We have Barbenheimer tickets for tomorrow. Okay. 1010 Barbie, 250 Oppenheimer. What a day. Big day. Big, big Same day. Same theater? Same theater. Wow. Love it. Regal Unlimited does it again.
0: Take that Netflix. Yeah. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> and we also announced that September we will be, we're skipping right over August. We'll announce August officially <laughs> in, in next week, but <laughs> September is seventy millimeter loves women month. Women directors, that is think a theme. That's the, we
1: re-
2: I don't. we
0: we realize that we have not been doing our due diligence in choosing a variety of filmmakers and films, so we're trying to right our wrongs. So mm-hmm. Anti murder, pro women. <laughs> Can we get that on a shirt, maybe? No. <laughs> Printful cut kind to of take that right off, just like they did our boy Michael Sarah. Pronto, any closing thoughts this week? Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like movies. Uh, mm-hmm.
3: and I watch a lot of movies, but I've I've actually started reading about movies too. You know, they write about movies in books. <laughs> uh so I had a dear friend, my dear friend Mike from uh the Will Run for podcast on the mm. tape deck. That- Network, our flag, our flagship uh, running podcast. Yeah. Uh, he gave me a gift, a book called "The Contemporary Cinema," and it's from 1963, written by Penelope Houston, who was an editor for uh, Sight and Sound. Um, and it's fascinating to read a, a book about movies from this time because you might think, like, why would you read a book about movies from 1963? But it's kind of fascinating because like all the movies that we're familiar with after that period haven't didn't exist yet. So all that she's working with are, you know, what came to be and her perspective of just like living through this period. So she's talking a lot about uh, movies pre-war, during the war, post-war, and then what happened with Hollywood and a lot about international movies in in France, in Italy. The, she talks about the French New Wave, and mm-hmm. she references all the movies and like how they came about. Um, it's it's really fascinating. Um, and she also talks a lot about um, Hollywood as an industry and kind of the constraints they had to make movies that were profitable, uh, just in like the same way that they do now, of like. Having a big name star, having a big name actor—you know—the amount of marketing that you have to put, that just the sheer cost of a movie to make it profitable. There's and the, the reasons that studios were so unwilling to take risks. It's it's all the same stuff that's like going on today, mm-hmm. uh, but she's talking about it from that time period. So it's really fascinating and also fascinating just to hear um, it because she, uh, she's from the UK of just uh, her talking about. Movies in the UK, and especially the stuff about um, France and and how those movies came about, and the whole French wave. So um, I feel like I'm learning a lot, uh, and it's cool just to uh, to read a book from this period. So uh, I recommend reading about movies as well as watching them. turtle book club. What does she think about Fred Astaire? She said anything? <laughs> I haven't gotten to the Fred Astaire chapter. Hopefully it's a takedown. <laughs>
0: We'll see everybody next week for Barbie. millimeter is a tape deck production featuring original artwork provided by Danny Haas spiritual guidance and Vija, the robot who loves movies provided by Pertalexis producer at large Dale underscore a transcripts provided by Sophie Shin and music composed by Cinematric prints and other merch are available on 70mmpod.com this episode was mixed edited and produced by me Slim. Support our Patreon for access to our VHS Village Discord to talk movies with new friends, access to our exclusive episodes in the 70mm Vault, discounts on merch, uncut episodes, and a physical membership card mailed to you. To check out other Tape Deck podcasts, find the link in the episode notes. And if you'd like to support our friends at Letterboxd and upgrade to pro or patron status, you can do so with a 20% off discount using the links on 70MM podcast. This,
2: this is a take yeah. Back
0: podcast.